The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. Continue betting across America, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw for the next three hours. Of course, the biggest story of the day, Amal. We've got UFC Fight Night tonight in Columbus, Ohio. I can't <laughs> wait to discuss. Of course, we've got the WGC. We got the match play. Oh, maybe a little college basketball on the docket as well today, as we have finally gotten elite. Yep. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Great matchups today on deck between Houston and Nova. And then, of course, uh, the nightcap with Duke and Arkansas. Yeah, I can't wait for those two games. We're going to have all the Aarons on the show today as well. We're going to have Aaron Ladd join us uh, in the second hour. Aaron Torres will join us in hour number three. Mike Peranio will join us later on this very hour. He is, of course, the sportsbook manager over at Mandalay Bay. And I, and I know it has not been necessarily great for the books so far, Amal. But I, I wonder if that's just because everybody's hopping on the St. Peter's train and I'm surprised that America, everybody loves an underdog story. We understand that. And it feels like the books are paying the brunt right now because St. Peter's just keeps on rolling. Dave, are you being paid by a book to formulate the sentence in that form? It's just, it's, who I mean, expected this? Break. This is the first 15 seed ever to make it to the Elite Eight. Yeah, but here's the problem. When you get to this st- stage of the tournament, okay. yeah, Miami was a two and a half point favorite, three point favorite, fine. They end up pulling away. But there's no way St. Peter should be a 13-point favorite against a coach that has no competency when you get past the first two rounds. We've mm-hmm. known that about Matt Painter. You know, Elliot, our producer, does a tremendous job, big Purdue fan. And the reality is we all know Perdone isn't going anywhere. Oh, wow. That's just what it is. You have, look, Jaden wow. Ivey to me, Palo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, and Chet Holmgren, these are the first four picks in the draft. I believe that Jaden Ivey's probably going to have the best career of all these oh, guys. He's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a superstar at the next level. He's a mix between John Moran and Russell Westbrook to me. Great speed, tremendous athleticism, probably a better shot than any of these guys coming out. Mm. Um, but they don't utilize him properly. Th- this is a guy that can take anybody off the bounce. Why? I mean, I just don't like the way Painter utilizes him. Uh, so it's no surprise that Purdue's going home. But we didn't even get about three minutes into the show, already shots at Purdue. By the way, there, go, <laughs> there, go, there goes my 5-1 to one ticket on Purdue. And by the way, I didn't even think about hedging. I said yesterday, I said, if, if you made me wager this game, I'm taking the points in St. Peter's, but I don't see a scenario where they win the game. And that was my thought process. So why hedge there? I tend, I tend to agree me. with you. Right? No, but I, I agree with you. I didn't really think St. Peter's was going to beat them. I thought the th- 13 was a big number to cover, uh, but – to me, I, I didn't think there was a chance St. Peter's going to win that game. Yeah, I, it's just it's amazing down the stretch when you have a four point lead in the final what four minutes you've got the ball and missed shot turnover and then the rest is history as the kids say. 
Uh, unbelievable. Hey, props to St. Peter's. It's a great story. Ashin Holloway is going to be in for a big-time job. He's got to take the Seton Hall job, right? You would think so. Um, but I don't know. Do you want the Seton Hall job? When you look around, you got Villanova. That's your alma mater. So what? Sometimes you, so what? I never understood this thing where people are like, yo, I'm from such and such. So, you know what? That's my school, Amal. Pride. I understand that, but sometimes guys play at certain schools like Seton Hall because maybe nobody else was recruiting them. You know what I mean? I think you go bigger. You, you think I didn't? You, let me ask you a question. You Bring think it. I turned down Harvard? No, Harvard didn't. T- <laughs> they turned me down. Okay, that's the reason I didn't go there. So let's be real about some of these things here. <laughs> it's going to be interesting because right now the world is his oyster. And yeah. look, I, I don't think anybody, if you've been watching this tournament, you have to be impressed. Like it really hit me when they asked him, like, were you worried about the physicality of some of these teams? Is like. I got kids from New York City. I got kids from New Jersey. You think we get scared? No, but, that's what we do. We push people around. But it goes back to the old uh, Princeton coach, uh, Pete Carolla. Yeah. I love his line. He goes, never recruited a kid from a three-car garage home. And, and it's so accurate, right? I mean, you got kids from Jersey City. You got kids from the tri-state area there. They have a certain toughness to them. The one point thing that was criticized about the Zags against Arkansas was the lack of toughness. And I thought somebody said this best. Mm. Now, granted, T.J. Otzelberger could take Jim Laranaga in a fight. Oh, my God, he's huge. He is. But from a toughness standpoint, give me the guy from New York City every day of the week. Give me Jimmy Laranaga. And you look at the uh, must bus against the other side, against uh, Mark Few. I'm going to take the must bus over the drunk driver every day of the week. And when I look at some of these teams and the toughness they bring, give me Shaheen Holloway against Matt Painter every day. There you go. It plays out. And look, I, I've been backing Miami. I backed them in the first three rounds of this tournament. They've been very profitable for me so far. And it's because of Coach L, because I covered him at George Mason when they went to 2006 Final Four. I was there in Indianapolis with him. But the toughness that his teams exhibit, and I know Miami, by the way, didn't even play a good basketball game, and they blew them out. I mean, if they play well like they normally do when they don't turn the ball over, they're going to be a tough out for Kansas. I, I agree with you. I think Miami's got a great shot to beat KU. I haven't seen the line on that game yet. Didn't look at it this morning, but I'll tell you what. To your point, uh, Dave, uh, to me, I don't think Laranaga gets enough credit on a national level. Coaches know he can coach. Oh, yeah. You know, but to me, this guy is unbelievable. He really is. I, I do want to get to a couple just kind of philosophical questions and overviews so far of what we've seen because we're really going to dive in for the next three hours in these individual two games coming up today, and they should be really good games. But when you do look at the Elite Eight, okay, and, I, and I, you know, I know a lot of people say in jest, oh, the ACC – you know, they get three teams in the Elite Eight, and people kind of say it doesn't mean anything because the regular season was off. I, I actually think it does mean something when you have three of the final eight still standing. But I wonder what's the more surprising Elite Eight appearance consecutively from teams not in the ACC. That would be Arkansas or Houston, because I think people have already forgotten Arkansas again uh, against Gonzaga last year. Zags put them out this year. They flipped the script. And Houston was misseeded as a five seed. I don't think there's any other way around that. Well, I think what they finished regular season, 29 and 5 or 28 and 5. They didn't respect the conference. Yeah, but they decimated teams. They did. I mean, you have to look at them. And then they did it without Sasser. Uh, They did it without Powell Mm -hmm. and Mark as well. This team has done it with injuries. He's got a system and a culture that he's created down there. This is going to be a program on the rise and one to be reckoned with for years to come, especially in the Big 12. I'm not surprised with the coaching of both these teams. Remember, they're – key element for both teams is defense. That's right. And defense gives you an opportunity to win games. And then they got players that can make plays. Edwards in the backcourt. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later mm-hmm. on. And then of course, JD Note and Jalen Williams for Arkansas. These guys were tremendous. I thought Audis Tony was a tr- uh, great uh, recruit over from Pittsburgh as a transfer. And Eric Musselman, in my opinion, I said this before the sweet 16 started, he's the best coach of the 16 remaining. Wow. 
I tell you what, it's it's hard to argue. And again, when you look at Houston in the style of play, people forget, but I'm old, so I remember. I mean, Kelvin Sampson was a pariah. Nobody wanted him as a head coach anymore. So he goes to little old Houston after Indiana, right? He goes come from a blue blood. He's going to go down to Houston. And all of a sudden, the, the culture that he's built there, I don't think anybody now, because people forget, they don't look at Calvin Sampson the way they used to look at Calvin Sampson. Right. Like, oh, I don't want my kids playing for that guy. He's a crook. Have you noticed college basketball and the coaches? Like, let's stop being hypocritical about that. But what about the culture he's built there in H-Town? It's unbelievable. Look, he's got the support of Tillman Fertitta, which is huge. This is a major program that's had success. Remember, they've been in three Final Fours before under Guy Lewis. Obviously, Hakeem the Dream and mm-hmm. uh, Clyde Drexler, along other guys, uh, among other guys. Dave Rose, who coached at BYU for a long time. They deserve a ton of credit for what they've been able to accomplish. But the one thing is, and I go back to kind of a little towards football, and the same thing applies though, even in basketball. You know, there are guys that come out of that area that can really play. And just off the top of my head, and there's other guys I'm missing out on, but like, for example, you got uh, Richard Lewis, who didn't go to college. Uh, uh, TJ Ford, who went to Texas, helped them go to a Final Four out of Willow Ridge. De'Aaron Fox, who ended up going to Kentucky. He's from the Houston area. Oh, wow. So if you have any of these guys with a Calvin Sampson there, and with the, look, that town supports this program. And the way they're going right now, I'm telling you, with Texas and OU going to the SEC, they got a chance in both sports with Holgerson on the football field and with Calvin Sampson on the basketball court to really run the Big 12. I think it's a tremendous program. You are accessible. You can get some of the kids that would be going potentially to other Big 12 schools or even SEC schools from a basketball standpoint. I think Calvin Sampson's got something going on extremely well. And if this were a stock, you'd buy it because I think long-term they're going to do really well. By the way, did you see uh, Hakeem the Dream at the game? Uh, I did. Did it look like he could still get 20 and 10? <laughs> 20 and 10? Why is he having an off night? I mean, come on. <laughs> you kidding me? People forget how great the Dream Shake was. He's unbelievable. Was. He, he gets forgotten because he played during the Jordan areas. If you, if I said to an owner, you, I'm going to get a Hall of Fame person with a Hall of Fame career and win two titles, you say, where do I sign up for Yeah. That? By the way, the year that uh, David Robinson, who I loved, by the way, at the Naval Academy, won the MVP, the Spurs played the Rockets in the playoffs. Akeem ate his lunch in <laughs> that series. That's not good. But again, when you talk about Houston and three out of four Final Fours with those guys, and look, you have Clyde Drexler, you have Akeem Olajuwon on, you're going to win a ton of games. It's still amazing. One, that you stay in school for four years, and that is, is a rarity these days. And again, I look at this program and I go, they're just tough. They take after their head coach. They have a model. You mentioned it. It's defense first. And that, that model travels. But they're going to go up against another program in Villanova, right? And I look at Villanova and I go, is there anybody more, I don't want to say disrespected, he's not disrespected, but underappreciated than Jay Wright? The guy's won two national championships in the last decade, and nobody talks about Jay Wright in the upper pantheon of, of great coaches in college basketball. Well, I, I would push back a little bit. I think people do. He made the Hall of Fame. And I, I think the fact that Jay Wright has been at Nova now for a long time, I think it's bordering on around 12, 14 years, somewhere in there. It could be longer. I don't remember exactly. But um, remember, they had some struggles early on. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, the fact that they've had this great run, you have to give them a ton of credit. The players buy into the system and what they want to do. And the other thing I love about them, we talked about team taking on the characteristics of its head coach with Houston. Mm-hmm. I think Villanova takes on the characteristics of its city. Philly tough. I mean, these guys are just tough. Yeah. Colin, listen, let's be real here. If you're running fives at a local gym, Colin Gillespie is not your first, second, third, or fourth pick. Nope. But he's going to be the guy that's standing on the, when you're getting done running fives every time because he, he's just a winner. Their, their teams aren't getting off the floor. Absolutely. They they just know how to win games, and that's what he's been able to do. And you get got to give this team a ton of credit. But my one pushback on Villanova this year is they don't have some of the same talent that they've had in years past, but they have found ways. By the way, I, I forgot, Jay Wright has been in Nova since 2001, 20 years. I don't Jeez. know why – I mean, I forgot the eight years we were at Hofstra, but I didn't realize he's been a head coach for 28 years. I just look, the reason why I say that is when we talk about coaches in March, it starts with Kay and Izzo. Like, you have to go down the list before we start talking about Jay Wright. And I think he needs to get more acclaim. And by the way, they win today, he goes to another Final Four. I mean, come on. What else does a guy need to do in a body? I would start with a guy you hate. His name is Jim Calhoun. Wow, that just shots fired to begin the show. (laughs) Much more to get to. When we come back, we will break down these games in earnest. Come on back. It is Betting Across America on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Betting Across America on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Continue betting across America, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw. We are here at Circus Sportsbook. And Amal, I said as I walked in today, and I look at that beautiful big board behind us here, and I see we've got some people scattered. It's the calm before the elite storm. So this has been my first, uh, well, I, I was here back in 2003 for a buddy of mine's wedding for the NCAA tournament. But this is my first real Vegas experience for March Madness. I got to say, so far, it's lived up to the hype. Are, are, do you get swept up in that or do you go home and watch the games in solitude so that you have to be bothered by the riffraff i was i, I was here for a couple of days because i had several people in town but normally i like to sit at home i know you know you know i don't like in the i know. Bo- i don't like in the book when you got a game let's say the line is 11 and somebody hits a bucket 1908 remaining in the first half and this dude's cheering like the game has just been postponed. No, one, two, no, nothing. let him cheer. Let him cheer. Oh, it's so annoying when when the guy uh, two nothing. They're going crazy. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come on, give me a break. Yeah, the final score in this game was going to be eleven to two. You got the cover. <laughs> go ahead, move on. I mean, like, it's just one of those things. I, I don't care what side you're on. You can be on the same side as me. I don't. I don't want to hear the cheering. Right. 
with 19 minutes to go in the game. I'm kind of first half. I'm with you on that. Like, I, if you're watching and you've got a side, whether or not the other people know which side you have, it's like I don't do not like any, uh, you know, pre-celebrations here until the war is won. We got a long battle of 19 plus more minutes to get to. So let's just kind of curb the enthusiasm. Quote Larry David. Uh, when you look at what St. Peter's has done so far, as they do become the first 15 seed uh, to get to the Elite Eight, is it more of what they are doing right? Or is it more of what the opposition is doing wrong? That's a great question, and I think it's 80-20 in favor of St. Peter's. Oh. They only trailed against Kentucky by six points, and I think that was nearing halftime. They never trailed against Murray State, which I thought was a complete misnomer on the line mm-hmm. in terms of it should have never been eight. They're in a better league. The Metro Atlantic is better than the Ohio Valley. And then against Purdue, I thought this was a combination of them defending, not getting intimidated by the size of the Boilermakers, Falling behind, they they were down that working margin in the first half. Yeah. Of, you know, two to six points. Two to four points, rather, more accurately. But this team has fight. They have grit. And then as the pressure and the game tightens, I, I thought you saw Purdue wilt a little bit. The decision-making. You know, Jaden Ivey, I'm not going to criticize him on the last shot because you were kind of forced with four seconds remaining. But, you know, Steph Curry nowadays, because he's such a prolific shooter, guys all think they can shoot like him. I remember Isaiah Whitehead took a shot one time after I see Steph hit like a 30-footer in Oklahoma City, comes down, takes an air ball shot from 30, oh, yeah. and he's like, like, dude, you're not I, you're not Steph. There's it's not a what reason, you do. There's a reason you guys aren't making $45 million a year. Right. And I thought Ivy could have taken another dribble or so. You know, there's so many guys. I don't know if you saw the Cornell-Princeton game a couple of weeks ago. The guy gets the ball and just heaves it from half court with like six seconds left, and the coach is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I thought Jaden Ivey takes another step or a dribble in. There's an opportunity to potentially tie the game up. I'm not going to sit there and say that's why they lost. But I feel like there's those types of decisions along the way. I, I'm right there with you. And again, to our question here, and it's a great one by our producer, Elliot Bauman, is that I believe it is more St. Pete's. But when you watch Purdue in specifics, I felt like it was a lot of Purdue yesterday. It, to your point about being coached up in the right in, in the final match, Sheen Holloway clearly has his guys all on the same page. Matt Painter's group, there was eight seconds to go when the ball was inbounded. They didn't foul until four seconds. So that's why that desperation three by Jaden Ivey came with four seconds going the length of the court without any timeouts. If they foul immediately, they would have fouled a lesser free throw shooter than the guy they ended up fouling with four seconds who's an 80-something percenter. Like, those type of things blow my mind when you have eight Precious seconds left in the clock, down one. That was coaching right there. Yes. I, I couldn't believe that decision. you got to follow immediately. Now, Dave, oh. even if he makes both, you still have got an additional three, four seconds. Yes, seven Change, seconds. It changes the whole dynamic. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I couldn't believe it. That, to me, Painter's got to be like, listen, we got to foul immediately. And I, I do believe Purdue had the possession arrow. Yes. But so if you get they were a tie trying up, to tie up, right? Yeah, but you got to go in there with some five seconds exactly. with eight on the clock. It was like yesterday in the Providence game. Um, uh, Al Durham goes in to foul McCormick, and he just kind of lightly taps him. I'm like, dude, you got to let him know you're there. Got to foul him. You got to foul him. And that was the mistake by Purdue, and it potentially cost them an opportunity to advance. We saw a couple years ago, Kihei Clark made a tremendous pass, mm-hmm. and we see Virginia beat them on a miracle shot. That's right. But to me, I still look at these little things. It's the little nuances. Like Musselman, they don't make these mistakes. It's like in football. Certain teams that understand time-scoring situation, they don't make the little mistakes. We see with Belichick and Harbaugh teams in the NFL every week. And I feel like Purdue makes those little mistakes along the way, and that's what costs them an opportunity potentially to get get to a Final Four. So, again, we're giving the majority of the credit to St. Peter's, but we are pointing out here that, quote-unquote, big school coaches like a Matt Painter sometimes make decisions 
that have you on the outside looking in now, going, how in the world do we lose to St. Peter's? That's how you can lose these type of games to 15 seeds, and that's why they're the first 15 seed to get all the way to the Elite Eight. Now, Jim Laranega at Miami has the chance to do something that's very rare. Take two different schools to the Final Four. Of course, he took George Mason 2006. I covered that team in Washington, D.C. It was a real treat to watch those guys beat number one seed UConn. They did that in D.C., where I worked at the time. And they went to overtime, by the way. Had to beat them twice, and they did it. That team got, got all the way to the Final Four at George Mason. Now Coach L, Jim Laranega, is down in Miami. And he could take a second, not just school, but double-digit seed to the Final Four if they can knock off another number one like they did against UConn. These have not been easy runs for Coach L in his two spots here. He's got to beat a number one seed in the Elite Eight each time to potentially get to the Final Four. They are a 10 seed at Miami. They played, in my estimation, the worst game they've played so far in the NCAA tournament, and they still beat Iowa State by double digits. This team is dangerous to me, Amal. Like, I, I know Kansas is the blue blood. I know Kansas is the one seed. I understand why they're favored by a significant margin here. But that man can coach, Jim Laranega. Is there danger, real danger, for Rock Chalk Jayhawk? 100%. Uh, KU's fortunate to have gotten out of the game against PC because Providence shot the ball horrifically. I mean, it was just in terms of how bad they were offensively, that's what allowed um, this team to advance. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think when you look at it, uh, I think Miami's got a, a great opportunity. They beat a monstrous team from a size standpoint in USC and Auburn. They're not concerned about that. Auburn was a better team than KU probably most of the year. KU's tremendous at the fog outside of the game against Kentucky. But to me, Laranagas guy uh, team's got a great opportunity here. I, I agree. And again, I look at them. And see, I guess now when you get to it, and I don't know, to me, Duke should be the overall favorite going forward. I know Kansas is. But to me, when I look at the talent level, that's what I see. But Miami's guards, when they, they, they can get reckless at times. But this is a team that really traditionally does not turn the basketball over. They turned it over seven times in the first two games alone. And then yesterday almost doubled up that total, I do believe, by the end of the game. So they did not play a clean game and still won by double digits. That would be the fear for me if I'm Kansas, that if, if Miami plays a normal Miami game yep. and limits those turnovers to five or less, this becomes a tight game down the stretch, and their guard plays really good. You mentioned it, that trio back there, McGusty, uh, Wong, and Charlie Moore, who's got more passport stamps than Jason Derulo. It's unbelievable. I mean, this guy's been everywhere, but give him credit. They found ways, and Laranaga has done a great job. Uh, Wardenberg from New Zealand has he's been boy, terrific, he shoot it. and he's done a great job for them. He'll, he'll present some problems for McCormick because he can stretch him out to the perimeter. Mm -hmm. And then Wong and Magusti can get by anybody. They're terrific in terms of isolation and what they can do. I really thought they'd be challenged. I thought they would cover against Auburn, but I didn't think they'd beat them. And when they handle that size of uh, Walker, uh, Kessler and, of, of course, Smith, I was really impressed. I thought they would beat Iowa State. Mm -hmm. I had them yesterday. Now in this game against KU, I haven't seen the line, Dave. Um, the, to me, I'm guessing the line is probably six, six, six and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised, but I would be taking Miami here. Okay. Uh, you know, Abaji's been consistent for KU, but Christian Brown's got to play better. Uh, Wilson did a nice job yesterday. A uh, young kid out of Denton Geyer in the Dallas area. But they, they've got to find some consistency. Rock Chalk Jayhawk was fortunate. Al Durham tried to take a horse shot late in that game to be able to tie things up. Uh, you see it there. BetMGM's got it now up to six and a half. And I do wonder, we'll really workshop these games, uh, the Sunday games, a little bit later on in the program. Obviously, we've got the two big ones coming up today. Uh, later on after our show here, Betting Across America. But 
You know, I do look at that, and I wonder if I'm a Miami backer, which I have been and, and am leaning towards in this instance once again, do I wait? Does the public say, all right, they're a 10 seed? Because, you know, a lot of a lot of novice bettors will look at seeding and go, well, 10 against a 1? This is where the rubber hits the road. This is the end of the line for Cinderella. Miami's not a Cinderella. So I wonder if I'm a Miami backer. Do you think that number's going to go up in the next 24 hours? You know, I don't think it will. Because I'm a little bit surprised this number. I would say Providence is a better team than Miami. And Providence was getting seven. Now you got a Miami team at six. Um, I think the way the Hurricanes have played against Auburn, against USC, Mm. really dominated that game against Iowa State. They were never really in peril to lose that game. So I don't really see it moving that much at this point in time. All right. So, again, it's at six and a half right now. So we'll keep a watchful eye to see if there's any movement of that. Uh, during our show today. Of course, we got a lot of other games that we're going to get to, the two big ones today uh, with Houston against Villanova. And, boy, that Duke game against Arkansas should be a pretty good one-versus-four matchup as well. When we come back here, I do want to look at what you could have had pre-flop in this NCAA tournament versus what you have now currently and also where the money is coming in. And it might surprise you for the handle and the highest ticket numbers remaining by percentage that involve... St. Peter's. America has bought into the Peacock. It's rather astounding. Come on back. Much more to get to. Betting Across America right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup, like the breakfast baconator, the croissant combos, hot coffee, or cold coffee, if you like them. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends, oven-baked sizzling bacon, freshly cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and simply OJ to bring it all home. Make it a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Dave Ross alongside Amal Shah. Amal, would you are you a breakfast baconator type guy? I well, being a vegetarian, I'm not a baconator, but uh, I'm not a breakfast guy. How does that work out for you? Is it are you how well? Really? Been you a vegetarian look great. 28 years. 28 years. Yeah. How does that, did you just become one, or you that was it? You knew one day I don't need meat. Well, I wasn't a big meat eater to begin with, and so I said, you know what, I'm going to go vegetarian, and been that way for now nearing 30 years. That's pretty awesome. I wish I, I seriously, I say this and I'll say, I wish I could do it. I don't know that I can. Dave, I know you, I know you have the discipline to do it. For, former uh, Marine, 100% has the discipline to do it. Hoorah. Let's talk a little bit about <laughs> some of this line movement that we've seen here, Maul, and uh, some of the tickets in percentages that we've seen and uh, some of the highest handle that remain with some of these teams. Now, again, before the NCAA tournament began, you could have got Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, 16 to 1. Now, plus 275. Houston, how about this one? 35 to 1 to win it all. And the one that, you know, I'm kicking myself because now, by the way, that's, that's down to plus 350. The Dukies, because I loved it. And I, again, this was before I saw the draw. The reason why I didn't bet Duke, and I'm kicking myself for it, is because when I saw the draw, that deterred me because I thought the draw was too tough. It might prove to be too tough with Arkansas today. We'll find out. But 14 to 1, with the number of pros they had, I'm all. I mean, what was I thinking not getting it now? It's 4-1. to one. 
Yeah, I'm not sure your reasoning. Uh, in my case, I just didn't think this team had put it together, and also partially my loathing of Mike Shashevsky. I couldn't stomach the idea this guy's going to win it on a farewell tour. No, in all seriousness, I'm with you. I thought it was because the bracket was really tough. You have to play Texas Tech and potentially Gonzaga. Now, they have to play the Razorbacks instead, but I, I think it's a good matchup for them. I, I think with their size and what they're able to do, I think Duke's moving on to the Final Four. I think they get there today. I'm with you. And again, you look at them, if they got there, and if UNC were able to get by those fighting peacocks, I mean, how do you write that script? How do you write that movie script that after what we saw in Durham in the last game of the regular season, Duke against UNC, and Krzyzewski, it was so comical to me watching it in the moment as they get their butts kicked up and down by the Tar Heels, right? And then they get the whole celebration for the guy, and he's so ornery. Because he's so pissed off how poorly his team played. Well, he's such a to begin with. Well, I mean, it's just the reality of it. I was on with George Reicher on Mad Dog last night. So he asked me, he goes, you know, I respect. I said, listen, I respect what he's done. I said, how come people don't come back to Duke? Grant Hill's on the national broadcast. Jay Billis said when they asked him about Coach K retiring, he goes, it's like a roller coaster. You ride and then somebody else gets on. How come there's not an affinity for this guy the way there was for when uh, Dean Smith retired? Okay. Uh, To me... When you look back at players and programs, there are certain people that have certain affinities for coaches. John Cal, you can say whatever you want about him, oh, they love but, him. but his guys love him. They do. How come players who played for Coach K don't come out with that same affinity and talk about him in that same reverence the way they do John Wooden? You know, it's an interesting comment, and I will tell you this, that I heard Christian Leitner say after that game against UNC in the final regular season finale when all the Dukies did come back. Yeah. But you know what he said, which caught my ear? Mm. He said, oh, it was a great day. It was great to see all of my teammates. I never got to see Coach because of all. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. You were there all day. You were at the game. You hit the most famous shot in the history of Duke basketball. Yeah. And you and Coach never spoke a word to each other the whole day when everybody else is out there in the group photo, arms around them. Like, that stunned me. So I don't know what it is, if that's just a respect thing that Leitner wasn't trying to get in his business. But Kay said after that game, which, again, I was just laughing watching yeah. it on TV. It's not acceptable. He's yelling at his kids, right? Hey, we're not done. Well, maybe he was right. Maybe that was the tough love. Maybe it's the Bobby Knight way because he comes, he's a disciple of Knight. Maybe that's why Kay is the way he is. But, Amal, could you imagine if we get Duke UNC in the Final Four? The whole, Twitter's going to explode. It, it'll be unbelievable. I'm not, I'm not critical of him for yelling that way. Jim, Jim Calhoun did the same thing. You and I were talking about it before oh, we came back from commercial. You were at a you know, Final Four game in which he was undressing his team. <laughs> but, but the point is, to me, when you look at it, I, I think the guy's about as real as the $3 bill. And I think the players and the fact that the NBA is such a small-knit community, you got mm. what? Three, four hundred players in the league. Right. The fact that players don't talk about him with that same reverence tells you everything you need to know about it. You know, I'll give you a quick story on Pete Carroll. Bring it. This is how much people, the guys love playing for Pete. They're playing Oklahoma in the national championship game down in the Orange Bowl. Carson Palmer's on the sideline. It's in the second quarter. Now, the game hasn't gotten out of whack just yet. Pete sees him, goes over, and he's like, hey, Carson, what are you doing? Like, Pete's like going up to him like it's an SC practice. This is why some guys love playing for John Cal. They love playing for Pete Carroll. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you know, this was the distinction between Bruce Weber and Bill Self when he took over, uh, when Weber took over for Bill Self when he went to KU. They asked D. Brown, what's the difference? He goes, you know, Bruce Weber, he's just kind of businesslike. And he goes, Bill Self comes around, put your arm around. He's like, hey, how you doing? How's your girlfriend? Guys want to play for people that care for you. And I think they realize when they go to Duke, it's a great program, tremendous coach. 
but this is a business transaction. I'm here to be here for six months. I don't even need to go to class. They can go full Ben Simmons. Pelo Bancaro is going to be a top three pick. Mm -hmm. That's it. You're going to get me to the league. I'm going to try and win some games for you. It is fascinating when you listen to some of those stories. And again, this is the farewell swan song for Coach K. You do wonder how it's going to end up. I will tell you this. We're going to talk to Mike Peranio here, sportsbook manager over at Mandalay Bay in the next segment. Right now, when it comes to highest ticket percentage that are remaining, it is the Dukies that they have the biggest liability against. It's about 8%, okay? Now, out of the tickets, the most tickets before the NCAA tournament began, it might surprise you that the biggest liability for the book was Arizona at at, at over 10% of the tickets, okay? Duke was second. The Zags were third. Purdue, bye-bye. Four. Kentucky, they didn't have to sweat that one out at all. Nor Tennessee or Auburn. So it feels like overall the books are in a pretty good spot here, right? But the Dukies and Kansas are the last two. Could you imagine if the top 10 liability teams for the books, they're just going to clean house? Yeah, I, I got to be honest with you, Dave. You're asking somebody to cry when Jeff Bezos doesn't get a tax break. I mean, come on, give me a break, buddy. I'm not really worried about the books, but I'm not surprised with the Arizona because people jumped on them early on yeah. when they saw that in Dismantle Michigan here in Vegas. You know, I remember watching Arizona last year with Coloco and Tabellus, and I go, wow, these guys are pretty big, but I'm not sure what kind of game they have. Coloco looked very raw. Mm-hmm. Has a tremendous year, most improved player in the Pac-12, wins the uh, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. But you're trying to find those teams, and you want to look at who's going to bring what back. You know, I'll give you a perfect example next year, UCLA. Juzang's got another year. Haka's got another year. Bernard's got another year. They all coming back? They could, but they got a kid coming in. Uh, Amari Bailey, who's a, who Mick Cronin has said he's going to be the best best player I ever coach. Wow. So it depends on how you decide. I think the Bruins are going to be one of the odds-on favorites, but you got to pay attention when we go in towards the spring before you make the futures bets, which teams are bringing guys back. And nowadays with the transfer portal, Dave, someone you expected to be there may not be there by the time the season starts. Wow. I will say this, which does uh, pique my interest, too, when we talk about percentage, uh, highest handle for the remaining teams. Is Duke... Kansas, and Villanova at 3.5%. Now, I don't know if that means that people did not respect this Villanova team coming in, and I don't know what there would be to not respect about them. coming. They, they've won the Big East tournament. They, they showed their defense against Creighton in that final. They've showed their defense all year long. This is the best free-throw shooting team of them all in the history of the NCAA tournament at this stage. Think of that. So, like, I know everybody's on Houston today, and I get it. Houston's been very, very impressive to get to this spot. Why is Villanova overlooked? Why is it that they just go, yeah, it's just plain old Villanova, uh, Villanova and they look like kind of vanilla uh, Villanova? Counselor, you done? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with go back to the early part of the season. Okay. They lose to UCLA in overtime. Fine. No problem. They beat Tennessee, which was impressive, but the Volunteers really didn't hit their stride until probably February, maybe late January, February. Mm-hmm. They get beat by Purdue. They, they get beat by Baylor by 21 points. They get beat by Creighton by 20 on the road. This is a team that really didn't find themselves probably until mid-January in conference play. They lost to Marquette twice. I'm not saying Villanova's not a great team or a very good team, and Jay Wright doesn't do a tremendous job. I don't think this Villanova team is as good as the teams in years past. I think Gillespie's been tremendous, but they don't have that guy on the five Dixon's been solid, but I don't think he's as good as some of the other guys they've had in the past. Uh, I don't I don't like this team as much. I think Houston, if Edwards can shoot the ball as well as he did in the clutch shots they made against Arizona, mm. I think they got a great chance to move on. 
know, they have two guys on this current Villanova Wildcats roster that won a national championship yeah. four years ago. It's rather amazing. And again, Gillespie being the most prominent name there. Who's the other one? Archie Dinaco? No, I can't. I can't remember the second one off the top of my head. But to, to think, it's almost like we've forgotten that title was only four years ago. That's it. And you got kids on this current roster that won titles as freshmen, and here they are as seniors. Group plays together. They stay together. They win together. Let's see if they can get it done today. When we come back, we're gonna have Mike Cronio join us. And by the way, I love the counselor line because I would have been a great lawyer and a few good men. <laughs> what I can prove, I know the law. Come on back, betting across America on Veasan, the sports betting network. This is betting across America on Veasan, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? You should. You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resort properties located in the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager in the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dave Ross alongside Amal Shaw. This is Betting Across America. We are here at Circus Sportsbook. I said off the top of the show that the main story, of course, today is UFC Columbus getting ready to go on. We do have a note there on a serious matter. The UFC has announced that the Iller uh, Latifi versus Alexia Lenick fight has been scratched, uh, scratched rather, from UFC Columbus because of a, quote, non-COVID-related illness to Latifi. And that was one of my big fights that I had on the, on the day. I had Latifi today. So that fight is now off the board, everybody, for the betting public. It is always a pleasure every Saturday I'm all to be joined by our guy over at Mandalay Bay. He is Mike Peronio, the sportsbook manager. Uh, Mike, great to talk to you again. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? 
<laughs> I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring uh, elite eight day here as we are finally elite down to the final eight. Well, we have to start with the story of the tournament. That is St. Peter's. Look, as a Purdue ticket holder at five to one to get to the final four, you can tell I was disappointed in the results yesterday. How about the sports book? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, after last week's you know record-setting victory and win for us Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we we figured we might have a, a letdown. And but Thursday was actually a good day for us. Friday, you're you're on the number. It was a huge loss. St. Peter's big loss on the money lines. You know, we had round robin parlays that kicking in pretty big numbers, and uh, uh, you could, uh, you know, be, be honest with you, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine we even had some IRS tickets that had uh, <laughs> that game in the round robins that kicked it over the 300 to one uh, IRS limit. But uh, uh, so overall, the Sweet 16 was a loser for us all. For us, uh, St. Peter's was the main reason for that, and we even lost. Our only losers in regional futures is St. Peter's. <laughs> wow. uh, we're still still got some interest in that game, and uh, and it's good to see though, because uh, you know Cinderella teams usually don't get too far. They get they win some games, but they don't get into the Final Four, the Elite Eight usually. Mike, how's the handle during the second round weekend with the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight? And the reason I ask that is because we all know, for at least for people that have been out here in Vegas during the NCAA tournament, the first two rounds. It's become an event, right? You have the Super Bowl, New Year's Eve, and then the first couple, uh, two, uh, four days of the NCAA tournament. People come out. Are there tons of people out here in droves betting? Because I'm going to tell you right now, Dave. You asked me earlier. I try and run home as soon as the you know the games are about to start. Don't want to deal with the crowd. But uh, has it been as uh, expected, or even more so nowadays? You know, it, 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 great. Uh, great question. That's why you guys are the top show for sports betters. Hey, the, the normally now that it's nationwide, uh, normally here in Vegas, you know, if we win the first week, uh, the handle the second week is going to be just as big because the people that are here the second week weren't here the first week and didn't lose all their money. <laughs> so, but now with it nationwide, uh, there are some people. If you take a beating those first two, day, you know, week and this week might the handle may be down a little bit uh, just because. People didn't have a good result on the first week, and you know when you when you're losing, you, you're usually backing it down a little bit. But uh, and, and that's an interesting look too. You know, we talk handle when we give out reports, but handle doesn't mean anything on, on March Madness because of the fact if we win Thursday and Friday, not a lot enough money there for Saturday and Sunday. And uh, handle can be great if the public wins Thursday, Friday, but that's not good for the bottom line. And uh, last week was a, an amazing win for the books, and uh, hopefully these states that it's legalized now won't expect that every year because they might be disappointed when we have some losing Super Bowls or March Madness. But uh, bank some of that money for next year if we lose. You get that tax money in there. I, I think uh, Mike makes a couple of terrific points, Dave. But the one thing that he brought up on, which I noticed this year, the Super Bowl, the amount of people here was a little bit less. Maybe it could be a COVID factor, travel restrictions, et cetera. But because it's become nationwide in so many different jurisdictions, mm -hmm. you're starting to see people maybe not come out as much. Yeah, because you're going to have other places that you can watch it and gamble on absolutely. across the country. So we're seeing that. But, Mike, this time next year should be absolutely wild here in Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm already trying to book them all to go with me to watch some of the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. As it is here, the West uh, region is going to be held in Las Vegas uh, this time next year. Mike, would you give out any advice to people that want to come and actually experience this next year? What would your advice be uh, from a, a sportsbook manager's perspective? 
Well, it's a it's a new thing, so we're going to have to kind of learn from it. But uh, as you guys saw, we, we learned and got prepared for the Raiders being here. We'll be ready and we'll be prepared. Uh, you know, these all these events we're getting are getting us finally tuned in Vegas. You know, with the draft in the in a little bit here, that could be amazingly busy. And uh, you know, and then the Super Bowl is the year after that. So uh, we're getting geared up, and I think we'll we'll provide a, a great product here. Uh, it's just amazing to me uh, what what uh, and you know we talked about it on past shows this whole year. I think the conference tournament should all be in Vegas. You know, I, I, it's a neutral site for most places unless. UNLV gets back to glory days, but it's uh, you're going to see more and more stuff coming to the West Coast and Vegas. And you know, if we add another stadium, if we get a baseball team, it's just going to keep the number of venues we have open to hold games and and events. And uh, you know, this may turn. I already say we're we're almost to the level of New York for entertainment and food, and we're going to be pretty darn close to the the capital and the king of uh, sports events too here within uh, not too near distant future. Future. Mike, you were picking up what I was putting down because if they get Major League Baseball here to the desert, I do think Vegas, you can make the argument, would be the sports capital of the world going forward. What a, a nice handle that would have uh, entitled to get the uh, the people to come back out. When you go back to this year's tournament here, and obviously St. Peter's, we talked about them and how, how much it hurt the books this weekend. Going forward at 40-1 to 1 that we're seeing now to actually win the national championship, are you seeing people buy all the way in on the Peacocks or are they thinking, all right, Elite is one thing. Cutting down the nets is clearly another. Yeah, uh, like I said, our only loser in the regional futures is St. Peter's. So I'm assuming some of those people may be laying off because they probably have pretty good odds on the regionals. But uh, uh, so that maybe one step at a time. I'm sure we'll get that 40 to one. We always get, uh, you know, the the guys that want the return. They're smaller players. They're doing it for entertainment purposes. Or if you've already collected on a couple of these St. Peter's wins, you might as well let it ride. Uh, not let it all ride, but let some of that money go. Keep playing it because. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer when you're hot, play the hand, and if you're losing, get the heck out of there. And uh, that's the biggest lesson people need to learn. If you're doing this for entertainment, sometimes you get carried away. Don't chase it. And if you're winning, that's maybe the time to actually chase it and, and double up a little bit. Not double up, but press it. And uh, uh, it's just the way gambling is. You, you can go to a blackjack table, you get a shoe, you can win 20 hands in a row. You know, if you get single deck, you might win two or three. Uh, you might win more on the long run, but uh, as far as hot streaks that's kind of the way to play these things mike let me know when you're at the blackjack table next time because i've never won 20 in a row but obviously you have the lock in the run so i want to be there with well, you I'm, I'm not a, i'm not allowed to play anymore but <laughs> no, i'm just kidding, <laughs> I'm just kidding. mike want to shift gears a little bit towards the nba because after this weekend i think with just two games and three total remaining coming up next saturday and monday a lot of people will be focusing in on the nba any adjustment for you guys with New York potentially lifting the mandate for the vaccine and Kyrie Irving now being able to play in home games in Brooklyn for the postseason? Does this make the Nets an odds-on favorite and out west with uh, Steph Curry uh, dealing with an injury and Chris Paul coming back a little bit sooner? Have things shifted around a little bit from your guys' perspective? Yeah, you'll see that uh, definitely when, after this tournament's wind, wound down, there'll be people going into the NBA and, and even the NHL playoffs. And as you know, they last a long time. So it's a grind. And uh, if you're playing the NBA or NHL playoffs, you definitely want to, you know, it's a long 
two, almost two months of, uh, of playing, and uh, you need to, to, to kind of grind it out. It's like a grind and, uh, until you get to the finals, and then you, you get that feel again of like a, a Final Four. But, uh, yeah, the NBA uh, is definitely a bet, but it's nothing close to, you know, NFL, of course. The, that's the king of kings. All right, I got one minute to go here with Mike Ferrario. Mike, to that end, NFL, I got to know. I haven't talked to you since last week. Since we spoke, Tyreek Hill, no longer in Kansas City, uh, now is in Miami. The future plays on Kansas City, you can now get plus money on the Chiefs to win the division. What type of action are you seeing? Because the AFC West just feels like a, a just a mess of potentially really good football teams. Yeah, I mean, the West is, I don't know. It's uh, We were actually hoping uh, we, we could add that receiver to Adams and Miami wouldn't get <laughs> But that was a pipe dream. There's no way we were going to be able to afford that. But boy, that would have been fun in Vegas. But, yeah, it's uh, it's so such a good division. I, I be honest with you, I can't, maybe when you get back to the Green Bay, Chicago, you know, those days, but for a division to be that, that good and that stacked, I'm just not sure what Kansas City's doing because, you know, maybe they need to regroup a little bit, but uh, Mahomes can't throw to himself, so I don't know what they're doing there. (laughs) It seems like they're they're rebuilding. But maybe he'll try. Hey, Mike, always appreciate the time and the information on a Saturday. Betting across America, stay tuned right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. BetMG. 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 At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.